So as we dive into Scripture, if you guys would like a Bible, just put your hands up in the air, and a human will miraculously put another Bible in your hand. Uh, I say human because some of you, if you close your eyes and think that a Bible will appear, if that does happen, let's talk afterwards, okay? Uh, But most likely, you will just put your hand up if you need a Bible, and someone will give you one. So, uh, this morning for me, uh, so you guys, second service, I'm already emotional, so there's that. Good for you. Uh, I've already gone through this once, and... um, it's allowed my heart to kind of resonate in some things again, and um, I was processing some things even while I was talking, because this is one of those things for me that is just an ever-going process for me. Like, I, this subject, this topic, it's in Hebrews 13, it's verses 17 to 19. Um, it's really kind of 7 to 19, 13, 7 to 19, part 2, but we're doing it first. Um, and that is intentional, but uh, Hebrews 13, 17 to 19, uh, this is one of those subjects and one of those uh, talks that I feel like I learn while I'm saying it, and it's not because I am totally unprepared, it's because it's just one of those subjects that you just go, oh my gosh, like, there's so much here, there's so much to understand, because it's so contrary to how I would naturally think. And when the scripture does this, when the scripture digs up something uh, that's so contrary to how you naturally think, you just, you don't know how to deal with it sometimes. And kind of that's where I'm sitting. And so um, I look at this and I'm extremely grateful for God's word. Um, So I'm just going to read the passage. I'm going to pray for us, for illumination, for God to show us his word. Um, And then then we'll dive in a little farther. But it's Hebrews 13, 17 to 19. It starts with this. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls, as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this, in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. Jesus, thank you for your words that come through so strong. Um, at the times that we need them. Uh, We pray today that you would speak to a place deeper than just our mind today, that our own reason would not rule the day, but that your word would rule us. We need you. We always have, we always will. And so we fall underneath you today. We ask that you would teach us as humble people who desire to learn. We pray these things in Jesus' name. So, as you just noticed, right, obey your leaders and submit to them, right? That is probably as straightforward as it gets. So I'm going to start off with a little bit of a story. So in case you think that I'm like this perfect subject of this, and the reason that Brent asked me to talk about this today is because, well, I have submission down pat, right? There I go. No, I don't, okay? I am not a naturally submissive person. I am a large Italian male who has a voice like this, okay? I do not naturally just fall into this easy place of like, well, guys, hi. Like, it's not me. I am a somewhat assertive, and and this is decreasing as I get older, but you you get the point, those of you who are a little older than me even. But like, you just, you realize something about yourself, and that is that sometimes you naturally don't fall underneath what the Word of God says, right? I'm going to go out on a limb. If I just prayed right now after saying, obey your leaders and submit to them, 
and just walked away. I'm going to guess there's a little bit of emotion that wells up in some, right? A little bit of like, well, what if, what's that? Dude, that what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, that's, that's a gnarly word from God. How do I even process that? Me. Ten years ago, I moved to Boise. Okay? I moved up here to be a youth pastor at a church. Um, I left. I had just graduated from Bible college, and I had left a large church where I was a youth pastor there. I, I had, I thought, some knowledge, okay? I was wonderfully falsely humble, okay? You would probably not have known it. Like, you would have probably seen me and been like, oh, that guy's pretty subdued, like, pretty cool guy. Like, I like that guy. So, with that said, though, a lot of my pride was underneath. A lot of my pride was in a place that didn't necessarily come out right away, but it came out in subtle ways that leadership above me, my leaders in the church, got to see. Now, I thought, again, this is me, I had been pastoring a larger youth group in Southern California, right, underneath the leadership of a famous pastor, and I was just leaving Bible college with all these ideas. I had a really good GPA in Bible college, so you guys should listen. But, like, the idea is, like, like I thought I was so great, right, and I came into this setting with this idea that uh, somehow or another I had something to say. I had something to, to add to this group of people, and I'm going to continue to do what I think is right, and I'm going to challenge leadership when I think there's something that I don't like, and I'm going to step into that place of just kind of being that guy. Well, a little ways in, and I took a group. I say this, please hear the arrogance. Don't just like go, oh, you did do that. That's not how this works. I took a group of 15 kids, and in three months, they were 100, and I thought I was awesome. Like, junior hires, who gets 85 junior hires to listen to them in three months? Nobody but me. Now, I was not this brash about it back then, and I don't think I even would have thought, I don't really feel that way now. I don't think I was even that, quite that arrogant, but you get the point. Like, I look at it now, and, and uh, throughout this process, my boss the guy who was over all of student ministries at that point, uh, came in and talked to me one day. He pulled me in and he said, hey, man, you're constantly challenging the things that the leaders are saying and you're constantly kind of asking why and like disagreeing with things and totally fine with disagreeing, you know, even to other people that you're talking to. Um, I think that's unsubmissive. This is my leader talking to me. He says, I think that's unsubmissive. Oh, and also you need to start ending youth group on time. You're too late. Okay. <laughs> I was like, at the time, I kind of heard it, and it just went right over my head. I'm unsubmissive. Great. They just want me to be quiet. Right? The leaders just want me to be quiet because I'm talking too much, too much of a squeaky wheel. They're just trying to get me to be quiet. Like, tell the young guy to be quiet. He doesn't need to be making, showing us up. Little <laughs> time goes by. Things are still going really well. I get another uh, opportunity to meet with my boss, student ministries leader. He pulls me in. He goes, "Hey, man, uh, you're not saying as much. Like, I get that. Like, you're you're fine. Like, that's great. I see a little bit of submission there. Like, that's good. But still, dude, you got to start ending on time. And I'm like, I'm sitting there, and you got to understand, like, this is me and my rebellious self. And I'm going, really, dude, really? This is going so well. Like, this could not go any better." I literally have grown this youth group 
like quadrupled it in like five months. And you're going to complain about like five, ten minutes here or there? Now most of you, well, you already kind of know where this is going because we're smart enough for that, right? But, <laughs> but you, you probably think to yourself like, yeah, dude, like why five, ten minutes? What big deal is that, right? In fact, some of you are like, yeah, I'd love it if Cameron could end five, ten, ten minutes before, right? That'd be lovely. But, if you don't know, Cameron's the guy who runs our youth ministry. Sorry for anyone who doesn't know that. Like, you guys are probably like, I heard a chuckle and it was like, okay, all right. Clearly these folks are involved with Cameron a lot. We have to get Cameron in front of you guys more then. But, a couple more, like, a little bit of time goes by, right? And we're having this awesome night, you guys. And if you've ever, well, based on the laughter I heard earlier, you've never had an awesome spiritual night with junior hires, Okay. It is glory, and, and like, it blows your mind, because it's like one minute they're blowing snot rockets at each other, and the next minute they're, they're crying, and snot's there, and it's like they're confessing their sin, and you're like, are you a kid? Are you an adult? Like, who are you? But they, we were having one of those nights, and it was so great. Oh my gosh, we've got groups of kids in the corner. They're praying with their leaders. Like, we had ki- two kids give their life to the Lord. We had this awesome, awesome night, and at 8.29, I looked down at my watch, and we've got one song left. And I'm like, ah, oh, did we do it? Yeah. Supposed to end at 8.30. It's 8.29, and we're going to do the song. So I call everybody into that main room. We do the song. We end at 8.35. I get a phone call at 8.45. The pastor on call that night had received a phone call from a mom whose kid had not come out at 8.30, and thus... She was upset that her kid wasn't out of youth group at 8.30. So the pastor on call, I answer it. I go, hey, what's going on? He goes, hey, uh, this so-and-so, you need to go find this girl. Her mom is here, and she's not going out to her mom. Will you just go find her? Yeah, totally. And he goes, and, and out of curiosity, like, what time do you guys end? I said, 8.35. He said, okay. Hangs up the phone. Next morning, I get called into the office, and I'm demoted for being unsubmissive. I get stripped of the leadership I have. Now, my first reaction was one of, like, kind of numbness. I literally thought, like, oh, my gosh, I'm doing such great ministry. Look at the fruit of this ministry, and you're going to demote me for five minutes? I didn't get it. I didn't get that my leader had consistently asked me to do something and I openly defied it numerous times. I had set myself up into a prideful place. I was no longer worthy of leadership in God's kingdom. Why? Because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, and I was not that. So I walked away from that, and I went, Lord, is there any truth to this? Is there any truth to this that I am unsubmissive? And that began a journey for me to try to understand what biblical submission was. And then you know what happened? I started to see it everywhere in Scripture. I started to see order, and I started to see authority, and I started to go, oh my gosh, this is so different than anything I've ever known. Like, I don't don't even know where to start with this. So I come before you today 
with a passage like, obey your leaders and submit to them. (laughs) And I want you to understand that I don't come as somebody who has this thing down and I'm talking down to anyone, man. I'm talking into a mirror just as much as I'm talking to you. This is me. This is my heart. I'm just as rebellious, if not more, than any of you. And so when I say what I say today, I want you to understand that the authority that I have, I pray, comes from the Word of God, not from this life that I've lived that's so great. Okay? So when Brent asked me to teach this passage, I knew why he asked me. I knew why he asked me. Because my boss, the leader of student ministries, his name was Brent Angelos. And an eight-year journey later, where Bren's changed, I've changed. Bren, Bren was in a weird position, and, and he was doing things that, that he didn't necessarily always see as the right thing, but that doesn't matter. The story, hopefully, that you understand from that story is my unsubmissiveness. It's not about my boss. It was never about why they did it or what they did. It was always about my own heart. And so as I go into this today, please understand that, that as we talk about this, My journey of submission started one place, and I want to start there today with you as well, and that is this. Where does authority come from? Who has it, right? Because in our culture, you know who has authority? The one who can kind of wrangle it. That's how we see it, right? It's the person who can win an election or the person who can build a great company. That's who we see as the person who has authority, and we think that the reason they have authority is some action they did or thought that they had. Let's look at the scriptures, though. Where does authority come from? Psalm 24, 1 and 2. You don't have to flip there. Um, Although if you're like a total Bible scholar, you might already beat me by the time I start reading this. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and those who dwell therein. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Okay? Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory, and the majesty, for all that is in the heavens and the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. You are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Romans 13, 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. If authority comes from God, and as we boil down what authority means today for us as we talk about this, obey your leaders. We're talking about authority in the church. We're talking about the elders and pastors of our church. I am not one. I'm in the same boat you are. I am a man under authority. Obey your leaders, as it says in Hebrews 13. Now, this word obey, okay, stop. Some of you are already triggered. (laughs) I can feel it. So, let me say this, okay? I recognize that as I talk about this subject, some of you, what what you're going to do is you're going to go to the what ifs, right? You're going to go to some example of bad leadership in your head, and you're going to think, how do I obey to somebody who's, who, who's a bad leader? How do, I, how do I submit to someone who's a bad leader? How, how does this all work? And you're going to ask yourself all the what ifs, and when do I do this, and when do I don't do this, and when do I do... Stop. 
Stop. Let go of the what ifs for today. Because this is about your heart. This is about your heart. If you want to be a person whom God looks at as a submissive person in a healthy way under God, you got to stop fighting off submission with all of these examples and what ifs. You need this truth. I need this truth. Because a rebellious heart, you're not rebelling just against man. You're rebelling against God. And when does that ever end well? So let go of the what ifs. Let go of all the bad examples for a moment. And I'm not trying to be insensitive, okay? Some of you have had some terrible, terrible things happen to you. We're going to talk about that at the end. But I want you to let go of that if you can, just for a moment, just for a moment, and listen to what the Scripture says and allow it to wash over some of that stuff, okay? There is, an, there is something that the Lord wants you to know today, specifically if you have been hurt or have had bad leadership or whatever, one of the things that God expresses all the time is that he will by no means let the guilty go unpunished, okay? If someone's hurt you, if someone's wronged you, you got to understand something. As we get to later, they're going to give an account for that, okay? But you know what the Lord says? He says, vengeance is mine. Vengeance is mine. He says, I am the judge. He says, let me take care of it. I will deal with that leader. You learn what this means. You learn what it means to submit. Obey your leaders. This word obey is really interesting. And it's actually, in, in our language, obedience kind of sounds dry. It's like, sure, I can do this thing, but I don't need to like it. This word actually is be persuaded by. So listen to that. Be persuaded by your leaders. Be persuaded by your leaders. Now, why would I say that? What difference does that make? How does... How does persuasion matter when it comes to submission, right? Isn't submission just, okay, I'll do it. I'll bite my teeth. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll grin maybe a little just to show that I'm not a total jerk. But I'll do what you ask me to do, but I'm not going to like it. No, this is be persuaded by. And here's the attitude. Here's why it's obey is be persuaded by. Because think about this. Okay, I'm somebody who loves to read and study, right? I bring all this knowledge to the table. And I've got all these different thoughts and opinions and different subjects that I've read about. My elders, Danny, Brian, and Bren, if I look at my elders and I think, oh, well, I've read more than they have, so I clearly am an authority. No. No. The Scripture doesn't teach that he who reads more is the one who has authority. No, the Scripture teaches that all institutions of authority are given by God, which means this. My leader, Danny, Bren, Brian, if they want to know my opinion on a subject, that's wonderful, and they can ask. But I, who am I to think that I know more than them? If God has put them in place above me, wouldn't it be my job to go, okay, wait, God gave you authority over me. I submit to God. 
what makes me think that I can go against him? Who am I? Who am I? Is, it, is there any, show me in scripture where it says the intelligent shall rule over the unintelligent. That's not how this works. No, it's because it's the spirit of God within us. If you look at what the scriptures teach, it's this, that in, in John 16, that the spirit of God leads us into all truth, which means this. Those of you who've never read a moment in your life, I can still learn from you even if I've studied for my whole life. Why is that? Because you still have the Spirit of God if you're a follower of Jesus. And my leaders who are over me have the Spirit of God. What makes me think that they're not going to teach me? What makes me think that I know better than they do? Now, I've got an example. It's in Numbers 12. I know you guys love Numbers. I'm just going to read it, okay? Numbers 12, you've got this great example, I think, and it's kind of wild because at first when you read it, you're like, uh, is that really a problem? Miriam and Aaron, this is Numbers 12, 1 through 9, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married, for he married a Cushite woman. There's the context, okay? Miriam and Aaron don't like the decision that Moses has, the decision that Moses made, okay? So this is what they do. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now, let me, let me break this down. What they're saying is, in this example, man, Moses, what makes Moses, this guy who can speak on behalf of God, I hear from God too. Let me bring it a little more down to earth for us. I read the same Bible. I read the same scriptures. What, what gives these people in authority over me the right to speak and teach any differently than I am? And at the same time, I would look at this and i go, is this really that big a deal? All they did was ask a question, right? All they did was wonder what was going on. Like, don't we hear from God too? Do we really have to listen to Moses all the time? He clearly isn't a good decision maker. Look, he married that Cushite woman. All of you are like, oh, I get it. No, you don't, but that's okay. Listen to this response from God. Look at this. In verses 3 to 9, Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. And suddenly the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron and to Miriam, Come out, you three, to the tent of meeting. And the three of them came out. Now, God calls them because he wants to have like this little thing with just them, okay? Tent of meeting, he's going to meet them there. And the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called Aaron and Miriam. If you're Aaron and Miriam, you're freaking out. A pillar of cloud just showed up at the entryway and is calling you out. They both came forward and he said, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream, but not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face or mouth to mouth, clearly and not in riddles, and he beholds from the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. All they did was ask a question. Isn't God kind of overreacting? No. You know what he's teaching them? He's teaching them something that all of us need to understand. 
when you rebel against authority, you may think that you're rebelling against whatever that institution is, but you're actually rebelling against God. And God's not going to stand for it. To the point where he literally comes down in a pillar of a cloud, calls them out. They lucked out. They lucked out. They got off easy. They got off with a talking to and a warning. But God felt strong enough that he needed to come down and tell them himself. So, first hard question. Have you ever grumbled, complained, thought ill of, pretty vehemently questioned a decision that your leaders have done? I'll give another example. Are you sitting in your chair right now wondering if we should be getting a building? Are you refusing to participate in something that our leaders have said for all of us to participate in because you don't think it's the right decision? I would look at you in the same way that I look at myself in the mirror and I would ask this question, who are you to go against the authority God has given you? Who are you that you think you just know better? I say that to myself just as much as I say it to you, but you need to hear it too. The interesting thing about this passage is it says, obey your leaders. Now, I kind of gave you a little bit earlier, but I love to read. Um, I particularly love to read uh, people who are dead. I think it's so much fun. Like 1600s writing, like Puritans. I'm all over that, dude. Give me some these and thous. What's up? So, with that said, though, I also love sermons. I love listening to sermons. I podcast like three or four different sermons probably a week. Man, I'm into that, right? So who are my leaders? It's not the guys giving me the sermons or the dead dudes. No, my leaders are the people whom God has specifically put over me within the church. My leaders are Bren, Danny, and Brian. Now, why is that the case? Because in Hebrews 13, 7, he says, remember your leaders and imitate their way of life. I can't imitate the way of life of such and such famous pastor. I can't do it. I don't know him. I don't get to see him. I don't notice him every week. I don't, there's no relationship there. I don't get to talk to the guys who are the Puritans. I don't get to know those people. Those are not my leaders. They're wonderful for knowledge. Okay, they, they're wonderful, and it's enriching, and it's wonderful for like gaining things, and it, it's, it's a beautiful thing, but it's not who your leaders are. If you truly know in your heart right now that you are more submissive to someone else than the leaders that God has given you, genuinely ask yourself this question. Am I a submissive person or is my rebellion taken on a different form? Has my rebellion just meant that I get to reason who I like? The word submit is different than the word obey. The word submit is yield, okay? It's yield. Stand down. Give up the fight. You think you're fighting against oppression, but you're actually fighting against the order God placed in your life for your good. Okay? Obey is be persuaded. Submit is give up the fight. Give up the fight. Now, I've known for years many people who are like this where they're constantly talking bad about the church. Just little things here and there. And they'll say, oh, it's just my personality. I'm constantly questioning things. And I'm totally that guy. 
and I am totally wrong when I do it. Totally wrong when I do it. Now, some of you are wondering, okay, all right, Danny, but when do you get to the caveat about when we're supposed to rebel? When are we getting there? You're not going to find it here. There's a reason for that. After studying this for a long time, I've realized that I've never seen a good example of rebellion. Mostly because it almost never exists. Every example that I've seen of rebellion has typically been the pride of an individual leading an uprising against the authority. Sometimes I would look at that authority and say, man, I don't want to be like them either. But that doesn't matter. This is not about how to be, today's sermon is not how to be a good authority from God. Today's sermon is how do we fall underneath the order and authority of God? How do we do that? How do we allow our hearts to fall under? Now to finish out the passage, there is something that our authority does. And you've got to understand this, that God always does things for our good. So if God gives us an authority and you're thinking to yourself, well, what if, what about this bad authority? What about this bad authority? What about this guy who totally took advantage of us? Or what about this person? You've got all these what ifs going through your head. Drop those off for a second. We already did that. But something you've got to understand is that God gave us authority for our good. And you know what? In, in Hebrews 13, it says this, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who would give, give an account. This, this language, you've got to understand something. This is literally, they're going to stand before God one day about how they led you. I'm not going to do that. Danny, Brian, and Bren will stand before God on how he, they led us. I'm not the one who they have to give an account to. That's not my job. That belongs to God. And you know what? If you start reading scripture and understanding some of these things about submission, you'll start to see that God removes leaders. You'll see him just, he'll take the priesthood away from a guy because he's got two bad sons. And Eli, he does this, like he does this all the time. So then our attitude is this, submit. Now not just submit, but when they teach us something, be persuaded by it. When When they come up here and they teach us, be persuaded by it, okay? Be persuaded and yield. Why? Because you'll see your leaders be able to lead with joy. And I'm going to tell you right now, when a leader is leading a group of unsubmissive, complaining people, it is a pain. You know why? Because they're constantly going to meetings where they're being questioned, where their motives are being questioned, where this is going on. Why aren't you doing this? What's this? I don't understand this. I don't get this. And you know what? Sometimes our leaders allow for that to happen because we actually have good leaders. Like they allow for us to disagree and talk with them about it. That's a good thing from them, but they don't owe that to us. So my heart and attitude towards them is I want them to be as happy leading me as possible. You know why? Because in their happiness in leading me, their capacity for care grows. Their ability to lead me, their knowledge They're freed up to pray for me. They're freed up to just preach the word of God to me, which I need. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. Why? Because when it's acting the way it should, the order from God is so beautiful because God is constantly trickling down this blessing that we all get to receive if we can fall underneath it. And then it becomes personal at the end. He says, pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you sooner. Now, 
whoever wrote this in Hebrews knows these people. And he's asking specifically for prayer from them. Now, what I believe is that our leaders over our church are sure that they have a clear conscience and that they are desiring to act honorably in all things. And I want to pray for that for them. I want them to be as successful as possible. I can't make any more clear what this passage teaches necessarily. But I can acknowledge something. Like I said before, some of you are dealing with those what ifs, those hurts. Some of you are walking in here and you've got actual pain, real pain from church leadership treating you in a way that was rude, unkind, sometimes abusive. I'm looking out at people, including myself, we've been used. Right? If you look out through history, the church has not always been the best. It doesn't mean we get to rebel. But if you're in that place right now, uh, I want you to understand that I truly believe we have good leadership. And one of the things that makes me think that is things like this. Between services, uh, Danny asked me, uh, you can start coming up, Danny. Uh, Danny came up to me and he said, hey, I just, like, I know that this is a hard message and I, I know that some people may be wrestling with this. And um, he said, hey, uh, if you've got the space, will you bring me up as a church leader? And uh, he doesn't have to do this. But I want you to look within and, and think about this. If you've been in the church long enough, you've been hurt by the church. You've had people who've squashed you. People who haven't loved you. People who haven't cared about you. Now, I don't think Danny is going to do that to us. But as a leader, he had something he wanted to say to those people. Um, thank you. Um, I was praying between services, and I didn't want to do this. And God asked me to submit to doing it. Um, if you have had somebody in your past, a leader in your past, that has done it, whether it's any of us or not. Um, I want to ask on behalf of church leadership for your forgiveness. I'm sorry for what they've done. I'm sorry that they hurt you. Please forgive us for any wrong that we've done. I'm super inspired by that, dude. That's so cool. I just, there's no reason for him to do that. He didn't do anything, you know. But I think he recognizes, and this is what good authority does, right? This is not about good authority, but good authority recognizes not just the doing, but the hearts of the people around them. And that is one of the things that we can be confident in, is that if our authority has submitted to Jesus, if our authority has submitted to God, and is willing to do what God says, then we will be blessed by it. We will be healed by it. We will receive the thing that God has always wanted us to have. Now, I want to just quickly end with this. The most uh, submissive person that the world has ever seen was actually Jesus. Now, if you could imagine being king of the universe if you can imagine being the one whom all things were created through, and yet he knew that his father 
had set in motion a plan for him to come and for him to die. If you and I could realize just how much submission to the Father it took for Jesus to be silent as they spit on him, as the hands that he created, okay, with tendons and muscles that he fashioned, took a hammer and nailed it through him. For the person who mocked him with a voice box that he designed. For the people in the crowd that day, screaming out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And the only reason was they couldn't handle the kind of person he was. They couldn't see him. Jesus, there is no one more submissive than you. And we recognize that today. And we fall underneath your strength. We do not know how to do this as, at least least I don't think so. I know I don't. I need to learn And I praise you, God, for good authority in my life that would come up and be willing to submit themselves like that. So, Father, I pray that you would continue to show us this. And that in the next minutes when we sing to you, that we would be singing to the one whom we have submitted ourselves to, and that is why we obey our leaders. That is why we are persuaded by them. Father, I pray that if there's anybody in here who has... Uh, disagreements, who has um, a problem with our leadership. Lord, I pray that they would hear this and that they would humble themselves and no longer be in opposition to you. We trust you, Jesus. That's why we come to you, because we trust you. We pray these things in Jesus' name.